Okay, I'm going to read from Hebrews. I don't know what she does, but she Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews 4, chapter 4. Anybody in Hebrews chapter 4? Maybe she cooks Hebrews. <laughs> or she bakes. Okay, Hebrews chapter 4. From verse 1. To a little bit further down there. Anybody there? He says, therefore. Okay? Therefore. It's pretty good. Good way to start a sentence there. Therefore. Meaning there's a few things that have transpired before. So in continuation to what has transpired before, we're continuing. So therefore, since the promise, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands. There is an outstanding promise. It's pretty good. There is an outstanding promise. Meaning there is yet another opportunity where somebody can seize the moment and go for it. So, Okay, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen, fallen short of it. Okay? Meaning, there is this great opportunity. There is this great opportunity, this great opening. This great chance to get to get in. However, there is still a chance that we could fall short. There is still a chance that we could fail to get in and seize the moment and seize the opportunity and take home what is promising. Apparently, this opportunity has been there before, has been given before, and some people failed to seize the moment to get in, in, and be part of it. That's the sad part. For we also have the gospel preached to us just as they did. 
got the good news. We got the promise of the things that God wants to do. And apparently, this good news we got, other people before us got the same good news. Received the same awesome promises. But for whatever reason, they failed to step in and seize the promise. Them having failed, God still presents the chance and the opportunity to you and me to get in on this thing. Anybody wants to get in on this thing? Can you look at somebody next to you and tell them, you better get in on this thing. They didn't really hear you. Tell them again, you better get in on this thing. Is anybody getting on getting in on this thing? Okay? We also have heard the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them. To those who heard because they did not combine it with faith. Okay? So hearing alone is awesome, but not enough. We're going to be a people that would hear, seize, and apply our faith to what we have heard. These guys didn't do that. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, that was not good, that they will never enter my rest. Why will they never enter his rest? Because the message they received was of no value to them. Why was the message they received of no value to them? Because they failed to combine the message they received with their faith. They did not apply their faith, their belief, and their conviction, and their inner persuasion to the awesomeness of the one that gave that promise. I'm sure you and I are not going to do that, are we? No. We wouldn't do that because we're clever. And yet, his work has been finished since creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. Okay, somebody... He's talking about the seventh day. What is the seventh day? It's the Sabbath. It's the rest. The day of the Lord. Okay, so he's spoken of the Sabbath in this way. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, They shall never enter his rest. There's a lot of resting. Okay? To make this thing a little bit quicker, 
This rest thing is a big deal. Fair enough. It is a big deal. And apparently, he wants every one of us in on it. Because it's such a big deal. Really big, massive, gigantic, mammoth, huge. Chikulu kulu. Chimbabwe. That's how would we say it where I come from. Chimbabwe. <laughs> All right. So we're getting the summary of what we're on about, right? For somewhere he's spoken about it, the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, They shall never enter my rest. Now, here's a better news. Verse 6. It still remains. Okay? It still remains that some will enter that rest. Woohoo! They'll never get in, but you, there is still an opportunity. You can get in. Okay. I'll preach to myself for a little because none of you seem to be following. Okay? And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in. Why didn't they go in? Because of their disobedience. Oh, but you folk look very obedient. So, I feel excited about the prospects. Verse 7 says, okay, isn't just God so wonderful, Lindsay? You know what he's saying in verse 7? Following from verse 6, where they failed to enter in the rest. Verse 7, he says, Therefore, God again has set a day, calling it today. That's good news. Calling it today. When a long time later, he spoke through David, has he said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Oh, isn't it awesome? He said a day and he called it Tuesday. Okay, he called it Sunday. Ah, okay, let's be Sabbath day Adventist. He called it Saturday. Okay, so what it is, he gave a day where they can enter into his rest and experience his great awesomeness. And they failed to enter that day and never experience his awesomeness. And then they decide, I'm going to set another day so there can be yet another opportunity for these to 
yet get in. And just in, in case they missed the day, because I called the first day I set up, the seventh day on the Sabbath, and they missed that, we're going to make another day. And to avoid all the confusion, we're just going to call it today. So nobody is confused about what day that is. <laughs> yeah, to make sure if he called it Sunday and you slept in, you woke up on Monday, you'd say, Oops, I missed the day. I'm done. What are we going to do? And if he caught it Tuesday and you flew to America and time difference, you get there on Thursday, you've missed the day. That just becomes a huge problem. People missing the day. So simplifying the day, we're just going to call it today. So when you sleep in and you wake up, it's the day because it's today <laughs> and if you are sick for a whole week and you have diarrhea and you huffed up and puffed up and you missed the whole week and you got up guess what it's today <laughs> this is good news If you've been in prison for 10 years and you come out after 10 years, guess what? It's today. So, by doing this, what he's trying to do is to make this day so huge and so obvious that it's impossible to miss it. Even if you tried. Because it's just today. Excuse me. What day is this today? Eh, today is today. When are you going to come? Today. When is the move gonna, of God going to come? Today. When is he going to break through for me? Today. When am I going to get healed? Mm, today. When is it ever going to happen? Today. That's good news. Everybody <laughs> getting it? What is it? And apparently, in this day called today, you can enter into his rest. Dad said that's why today is called the present. And what makes the present present is his presence, which is always in the present. 
Hallelujah, dog. Hallelujah. At least I have a witness there. Can I get another amen? Okay, are we getting that? Hmm. See, he brings this logic. If God rested from his work, how come God is still working? Okay? Here's the thing. We say it took him how many days to make everything? Six. So does that mean for the last 10, 8,000 years, depending on your theology, God has been having a siesta? We know he hasn't because Jesus in John 5 says the Father and I are always working. There you go. And it's not a nana doesn't have nana naps either. Okay? So the father is always working. And how does he come in the place of rest? How do we come in a place of rest if he's inviting us to work? That is an incredible thing. You see, in our cultural way of thinking, we take a day... To rest. Okay? We take a day to rest from work. But this incredible thing is inviting us. He's not asking us to choose a day to rest from work. He's asking us to work from a place of rest. That's incredible. We are working from a place of rest. Not resting from work. Meaning, this is the incredible, incredible piece of kingdom good news. That the things of the kingdom are so easy that you can do them sleeping. The kingdom of God is so incredibly, awesomely easy that the only way the supernatural ever works is if you rest. It's the kingdom you take and operate lying down. The only time you're allowed to. (laughs) Because the kingdom operates from a place of rest. The earth operates from a place of striving, pushing and shoving, and shoving, and a little bit more shoving. Isn't that liberating, incredible, awesome news? Okay, so we work from a place of rest instead of resting from work. And what is inviting us is to enter into this place of rest. That his 
rest becomes our dwelling place. Okay, so the invitation is to dwell in there, is to remain in there. As Jesus said, remain in me. So the thing here that is incredibly important that we seem not to get is if you get in there, eh? if you get in, don't get out to go for smoko. <laughs> don't get out to go for lunch and cake and tea. Stay in there. Dwell in there. In, out. <laughs> this thing is in my way. <laughs> you know how we do? This is our church. Hallelujah. Shenderi Baba. Soko Toro Baba. Manderi Baba. I'm in the place. Now I'm driving on. You idiot! You cut me off! <laughs> Bing, bing, bing. Can't you see me blinking? <laughs> and a few other choice words. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, Lord. I'm diving him back in there. I'm washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Oh, sorry. I'm uh... <laughs> Anybody ever goes in the zone and then gets bumped out of the zone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to give a few examples, but uh, safe not to. So we'll move on. Okay. So, if we are not living in rest, then we are living from drama to drama, from crisis to crisis, from thing to thing. And the weirdest thing about living from drama to drama, crisis to crisis, some of us seem to thrive on drama and crisis. We feed off it. We enjoy it. He just makes all the adrenaline rush come in. I feel like an energizer burning for a bit. And I found myself, I discovered this. Whenever there is drama and crisis, I seem to annoy people. Anybody annoys people in drama and crisis? Because according to them, I take too long to answer questions. Do you see this? Um... Uh, 
Mm. Um. I'm so ready. The thing is, I choose to be centered in rest in the midst of dramas and crisis. So when I do not respond in a dramatic way, do not be offended. I'm just resting. <laughs> a few weeks ago, my wife finally had the revelation and understood me after watching a video on Facebook. Anybody say anything about the difference between men's brain and women's brain? That men have uh, little boxes in their heads that don't touch. And then she discovered that my nothing boxes takes up majority of my brain. <laughs> it's huge nothing box. And then she would wake up like Zero two, thinking about things. And I just say, let's talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> and then when tomorrow comes, it's at 8 o'clock, wants to talk about it. When are we doing that thing again? At 2. Why don't we talk about it at 1.58? <laughs> I'll deal with it when it is absolutely necessary. Anyway, the point we're making is today, if we are not living from a place of rest, we tend to be living from drama to drama. And some of these dramas are good dramas. But isn't the, shouldn't be the reason to live from drama to drama. And we can tend to thrive on crisis. Okay? How do you know you're thriving on crisis? If you're energized by crisis control and crisis management. Anybody ever feels energized? You can be like Mr. Winston Churchill. When the war came, and he declared, by this reason, I was born to fight the Nazis. He found a calling that just gave him purpose and energy in life. Yeah, so anybody feels energized by crisis control or crisis management? Are we driven and energized by solving problems around us? It's like, man, it's a boring day. Nothing happened today. <laughs> Very uneventful day. Here's the thing. When we dwell in a place of rest, 
We are driven by inner peace and energized by his presence. Do we hear that? When we dwell in a place of rest, we are driven by inner peace and energized by his presence. And this is a place that the Father wants us to find. This is a place that the Father wants us to get into. He wants us to come in a place of relationship and intimacy that he becomes our resting place. And we become his dwelling place. You see, coming to a place of rest, it is choosing to lay aside our labors at the foot of Jesus. It doesn't mean things aren't there, we don't have to do things, there will always be things. And probably this is an incredible principle that Jesus said to Judas. When this oil was poured upon him, and Judas said, couldn't this oil be sold and the proceeds feed the poor? Jesus loved the poor. He loved to minister to the broken. But he comes up with this incredible statement. The poor you always have. There will always be stuff to do. There will always be stuff to be done. But the greatest value is learning to place value on intimacy and fellowship, in resting in him and being in a place of his presence. There will always be stuff to do. There will always be things to do. But we got to learn to enter into that place of rest. We got to learn to enter and make his presence our daily pursuit. You see, what does that mean to rest, like I said? Rest is stopping in order to be present with God and each other. Okay? Rest is stopping in order to be present with God and each other. Unless we come to a place of rest, we'll never be aware of his manifest presence. Is that making simple sense? It's something that I've had to constantly teaching myself in being present where I am. I started practicing with my kids when I'm watching the news or documentary or a good movie. When they enter in the room, 
I paused the TV or the show, whatever I was doing. Not because I don't want them to see my show, but I want to acknowledge their presence in my presence. And each time I stop to acknowledge them, I am present in their heart in the moment. Does that make sense? And whenever we don't stop, we are too preoccupied. We fail to notice and be present in the moment. And every now and then I would catch myself do that. That's a place where Nicole said something and I wasn't present. You know what happens when somebody says something, you're not present? What happens? You don't get it. You miss it. You don't understand. Okay? And then, when I miss it because I wasn't present, I have a choice to make. Number one choice, pretend I heard her. And when I pretend I had her, she'll be happy and she'll move on and I'll squiddly doo-doo about what she said. Nothing. Second option is a courageous one. Which I'd say, sorry honey, could you say that again? And I found myself saying that a little bit whenever I feel preoccupied. But the thing is, taking a chance to be scolded so I can be present. Taking a chance, so you weren't listening, so I can be present. And I found the more I practice with my wife and the kids, it becomes easier and easier to stop and be present with God in that place of rest. See, because the simple truth is God is always screaming, talking. Anybody believes God is always talking? He's always talking. And we are always hearing, but we are not always present. So we miss what he's saying. Ever notice that when you are stressed about something you want to hear God for, you never hear God? Anybody notice that? It's not that God is not speaking or you are not hearing. It's just you are too preoccupied to stop and be present in the moment of what he's doing. So you missed it. Making a little sense? Anybody seen that book? Which says, God, can you speak any louder? There's a book about it. Since we've got books about everything. 
So it doesn't matter how loud God had to speak unless we stop and be present. We'll never get it. Anybody believe that? He spoke so loudly in Exodus that they ran away and told Moses, we don't want to hear to this guy anymore. He scares us. A few people don't like talking to me because I scare them. Wonder why. Oh, Benjamin, aren't you scared? <sighs> People who practice rest are never absent-minded or too preoccupied to hear the Father's heartbeat. You hear that? Rest keeps us present in the moment of what God is doing in us and around us. And this is why Jesus could incredibly, with all boldness, say, On my own I do nothing, only that which I see the Father do. Why? He was always present in the moment of the Father's presence. And this is why he could constantly, on an ongoing basis, be able to see what the Father is doing because he was always present. Anybody listening? You better hear good. This is my last sermon for a while. Anybody in the presence? Anybody in the present? Stay present and you won't miss the moment. When we are present, in the people in our lives, it validates them. It values them and makes them feel the worth of heavens over their life through your presence being them. Isn't it incredible when you get those little messages on your Facebook when it's your birthday? And even those people that are not your friends in real life, (laughs) when they wish you happy birthday, it feels good. (laughs) Even those people that don't like you, that you don't like, when they send you the chocolate, I hate him, but I'm going to eat the chocolate. Okay? So rest is being present in the here and now of God. Okay? What is the other word for the here and now? 
It's called today and is also called the manifest presence of God because he's everywhere, but his manifest presence is only in selected places. Okay? So in entering in his rest, he wants you to come in his here and now. Okay? So if it is about the here and now, what is he doing? Here and now. And that is what Jesus drew his energy from. What the Father was doing in the here and now. So, where are we usually in our here and now? You see, you're going to experience the manifest presence of God unless you choose to be present in the here and now of what God is doing. So, what happens if we missed today, which is impossible to? What happens when we are not dwelling in a resting place? Okay, quickly. We are preoccupied. Anybody ever been preoccupied? When you are preoccupied, it means you do not have any capacity of the now because you are pre-capacitated. <laughs> Gotta make up new words. The blessing of being African. Yeah. You are already full of the past that you got no capacity of the present. When we are not in a place of rest, we are absent minded. We can't pay attention, focus and retain the events that are around, happening in us and around us in the moment. When we are not in a place of rest, we are disengaged from the presence and the present. Okay? And when we are disengaged from the present and the presence, and that's a place where we can't feel his presence. I can't hear his word. It's been so dry. Ah, boy. Your ankles are needle. Your legs are knee deep in water. And it's been so dry. How is that even possible? And that's what happens when we are disengaged to the presence and the present. When we are not in a place of rest, we are detached from the present reality. Okay? When we are not in a resting place, we are often detached. Detached? <laughs> I can see people who are detached. We are detached from the present reality. Yeah, detached. 
Okay, out of touch. <laughs> All right. We are tunnel focused. When we are not in a resting place, we are tunnel focused and lose our relevance to the world around us. Okay? You become irrelevant. And if it is politicians, we don't even vote for them. We say they are out of touch. Somehow, you vote your politicians for being out of touch. And you kind of feel being out of touch with the present reality of the Holy Spirit is okay. How does that work? So, while usually not at... uh, find it difficult to come to that resting place for all those things. What would help us stay in a place of rest during all those things? So probably Psalm 100 verse 4. Anybody found Psalm 100 verse 4? Psalm 100. Yes, honey, you can read your we can read from the Passion Translation, which says, you can pass through, what can you do? You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Okay? So apparently, to coming to the place of rest, to coming to his presence, there is a password. What is the password? Praise. And why are we too preoccupied and distracted? Because we feel overwhelmed by our current situation and circumstances that we can't see a way out. We become too consumed and preoccupied that we lose our peace. And apparently the antidote to that is coming to a place of praise. That in spite of what we are experiencing, what we are going through, and what we feel, we could choose to be thankful. We could choose to worship. We could choose to lift his name above every situation. And then in that truly Jesus becomes the name above every other name. Okay? So we can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Bring your thankful offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. See, when we give thanks, we become present in what he's doing other than the circumstances of what we are experiencing. Okay? When we give thanks, we become present 
in the reality of what he is doing. What he's doing becomes a prominent thing. If we fail to do that, our problems becomes more prominent than his presence. Our issues become more presence, more prominent than his presence. See, by simply acknowledging what God is doing, we become aware of where he is. And when we become aware of where he is, everything else becomes irrelevant. Everything else becomes very minuscule. I know most of the time I feel overwhelmed is every time I allow my circumstances to appear bigger than he is. Then I'm afraid, I'm panicking, I'm full of worry and anxiety. Because, but when we refocus our attention to his presence and the current realities seem very small. As the, the, the old song says, the things of this world will become strangely dim. It really... You see, and it's in our place. We love a testimony. And the scripture says we overcame him by what? Anybody notice? What was the first thing they overcame with? The blood of the lamb. Which is there yesterday, today, and forevermore. The blood of the lamb, which is always present. But most of the time, we skip the blood and hang on to their testimony. See, the thing about the testimony, a testimony is where God was. Okay? A testimony is where God... You people are so distracting of me. <laughs> okay, go sit with the cuteness. All right? A testimony is where God was. The presence is where God is. So most of the times our lives are propelled by testimonies other than his presence. Somebody hearing me? A testimony lays out a path of where God was and what he did. So we can be grounded in his present reality. Was that a very long sentence? 
A testimony lays out a path of where God was and what he did so we can be grounded in the present reality of where he is. Making sense? So a testimony is good. It tells you where he was and what he did. So he can give you confidence in where you are and what he can do. You can draw energy and encouragement from a testimony. But you can only draw life from the presence. Right? You can draw energy and encouragement from a testimony. But you can only draw life from the presence. In the here and now of where God is doing. In the here and now of what God, of where God is. Those of you that are bored, don't worry. I'm about to finish. So the testimony is where God provided yesterday. The presence is where God is providing today. So when we live backwards focused lives, we never step into the fullness of what God has for us. The good old days must could be the best. But you're not gonna live on yesterday's bread. It's amazing how much steak you can have at Hog's Breath or Coffee Club. But in the next day, you still want more steak. Isn't that just a marvel? When we fall, fail to do that, we become like the Branhamites. Anybody know the Branhamites? William Branham, his church and his followers. Do you know they do not preach any new sermons? Every Sunday they replay the sermons that William Branham preached years ago. This is Sunday, put on cassette 26. Was William Branham an incredible great preacher? Perhaps he was. As God stopped bringing revelation and speaking after he died, he definitely hasn't. So, here's my encouragement. Give God time of rest and it will shape your perspective. Step into rest 
And God will shape your perspective. The way you look at things, the way you see things, the way you smell things, the color of the world around you will look incredibly different when you begin to look at it from his place of rest. And it's incredible when you step into a place of rest, the devil doesn't see, look seem that big. And this is why the Bible says everybody will be shocked in that day when they look at the devil and say, truly, is this the guy that troubled everybody? This little lizard? Because for the first time, we're all going to get right perspective of the magnitude of God and the tininess of the things that come against you. So what I'm saying is, if you step in a place of rest, God will shape your perspective. You will begin to live from what he has already done for you through the finished work of the cross of Calvary. When you enter into his rest, your perspective will shift. You won't be trying to make it through life. You'll realize that you've actually already made it. How is that? You've already made it. When you enter into this day called today, okay, you begin to live from a heavenly place where you are seated with Christ to transforming the earthly situations around you. Okay? You begin to live from a heavenly place where you are seated with Christ to transforming the earthly situations around you rather than trying to ascend from the earthly situation around you to the heavenly places. The Bible says, where are you? You are already seated in heavenly places with Christ. So if you are living from that place to where you are, you begin to see transformation of the circumstances around you. But if we do not live in a place of rest, we try to go to the heavenly places from the circumstances and the situation that's around us. And this is why life is so often very frustrating and difficult because you are trying to live from a place you are not meant to operate from. Okay? You are there coming here to change things around you because you are full and just lacking of his presence. When you are here, you are empty, beaten down and broken, trying to go up. It's just a push and a struggle and a striving never works. Like I said before, you are trying 
to make things happen. What happens if you get those resuscitation electric thing to a person that is alive and well? What happens? Why? Because you are already alive. You are already alive. When they try to shock you to life, you die. So what happened? If you get somebody who's already seated in heavenly places and make them do what they've already done, they get caught in wax and striving. They equally die. So if you step into rest, the heavens will invade and permeate through your every current situation and his presence will transform your present reality. Thank God for Bethel. We've all been singing heaven invading earth. See, the heavens can never invade the earth unless we step into a place of rest. Otherwise, there's no receptor. There's no place for the heavens to rest on to initiate the transformation and the change we are all crying for. If you enter into that resting place, you experience incredible breakthrough and the release of the supernatural in your everyday life. So, you can do whatever you want to do with it, but I know what I'm going to do with it. Hallelujah. There is just so much that God wants to do in your life. But it works naturally easy with people that choose to create a resting place for him. Can the Son of Man, can the Lord God Almighty Find a resting place in your heart as he invites you to enter his rest. Lord, I just ask that you give us a hunger and a desire in our hearts for more. Uh, we could always be focused and centered in you. And uh, we could choose to be constantly present with you and with people in our lives. I just ask that you teach us to value our intimacy with you. By the time we set aside to be with you, 
in the same way we would value our family and friends by the time we set aside to be with them. In the name of Jesus. Amen.